Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Good morning, everybody. Megan Thompson here, and I am getting on to discuss my opinions, the number one reason why any strategy that you're using in parenting your highly sensitive child is falling flat. So I didn't plan too much about this, um, this conversation. It actually sparked from a conversation I was speaking with, with a colleague of mine, and she's working with parenting her child regarding a separate issue. And, um, the, the biggest challenge that we spoke about, and she's a friend of mine, so I'm not necessarily engaging in a professional relationship with her, but we were we were addressing something else. And what came up was the challenges that she was having with her son and, and his significant emotional needs related to um, his diagnosis. And so we got to, you know, speaking about that, because I'm not going to not talk about it, and I love helping parents change their dynamic with their with their kids. Um, and one of the things that she, we, we had spoken about in terms of one of the, um, the goals she had was to not respond by yelling to her son. And so when we spoke about what she could do instead and, and her focus on that and what she was learning, working with somebody else about, um, you know, shifting this, one of the things that I think came about that was really, really poignant and I think is so important for you guys as you see, seek out support and accountability in changing this dynamic in your household to uh, with the goal of eliminating daily meltdowns or eliminating intense outbursts for your highly sensitive kid is that if you're not focusing on this one thing that we'll talk about in just a minute, then all of your strategies are going to fall flat. So I want to talk about what that means. You can read all sorts of books. You can listen to all sorts of videos. You can watch all of my trainings here. And if you're not focusing on where your intention lies and what your end goal is, aside from eliminating daily meltdowns, then you're not going to be able to continue to implement the strategies that you're being taught or that you're learning on your own. So one of the things that I think is really important and I speak about with my clients often is the intention you have in your relationship with your child. And if somebody, you know, if you're working with somebody who is, whether that be a a local therapist or a coach or, uh, you know, perhaps you're getting advice from a pediatrician or another parent who seemed to have accomplished this goal, if they're not helping you change your mindset around your child's perspectives and needs, then you are not going to implement the strategies that you're trying to use or the advice that other people are giving you in a systematic way that is going to actually lead to the result that you're looking for. So 
when you are thinking about wanting to teach your child about emotions, wanting to get more playful in your home, wanting to combat shame and, and break down the barriers towards developing a, sh- a, um, you know, a shamed internal, internally shaming response that your child has. I'm a bad kid. I did this wrong. I'm not good at that. I'll never be good at this. Um, you don't love me. I don't love you. All those responses, those are all developed responses that your child has developed based on the fact that their shame cycle, their shame spiral is not breaking down and, and your parenting is not helping them break that down. So if you plan on helping them break that down, because highly sensitive children are more prone to shame. And if you're a highly sensitive adult, you probably have that type of spiraling thought process, if you haven't eliminated this for yourself as well, then this is going to ring very true to you. And your parenting strategy has to be able to address that. And one of the things that's very important to focus on, if you're looking on looking at eliminating daily meltdowns, is your intention. Now, when we think about what you need to do, in how you're going to change your dynamic with your with your child, if one of the things that you're focusing on is keeping your together in order to help your child, then that is actually not going to pervasively change the dynamic in the household. What you have to be focusing on is literally changing your own emotional experience of your child's meltdown. So what does that mean? That means, you know, in terms of the the clients that I help, what we see them doing is we see them starting to feel grateful for their child's meltdowns. We start to see them feel Um, powerful and empowered in the moment when their child is having a meltdown. We start to see them feel capable of managing their own, their, their child's own meltdowns. And the only way that you can do that is by changing your intention of where you see your child's emotions, how you see them, and how you see their strengths. Because if you're just focusing on the strategy, if you're just focusing on what words to say in the moment, if you're just focusing on um, where to lead your child and and what skills to teach them in, in the moment as well as outside of the moment so they can practice them, or if you're just focusing on learning more about the personality trait and then hoping that that helps you dictate your child's um, emotional experiences in a way that teaches, you know, you're teaching them on how to how to change that dynamic for them, then you are not going to be able to sustain that. And so I really want to explain that for you guys more clearly. When we have an assumption about our child that they cannot do this, that they are not capable, that they are struggling. Now, this might not be your ultimate conclusion because you have hope for your child, right? You, you chose to have children. You want your child to be successful, whatever that definition means for them likely, but you also have an idea of what success means for your family. That might be that your child's emotionally independent, your child's emotionally intelligent. That means that your child is able to manage their own emotions and hold down a job, is able to manage their own emotions and pay their rent on time or own a house, um, and is able to you know, manage their own emotions so that they can communicate their needs and, and build healthy relationships in, in romantically and, and friendship and otherwise, as well as relationships with mentors so that they can be successful in their own life. So if that's what you're focused on and you're not moving out of changing your assumptions of your child's capacities and changing your your assumptions of how fast it takes for your child to change their own emotional experience and move from negative emotions like shame, overwhelm, uh, anger, frustration, sadness, and move into power, um, 
uh, I can do it attitude, um, you know, capability and happiness, which is an end result, then you are going to be missing the mark. Because if you're just focusing on that pivotal moment of where your child changes their emotion, but you're not understanding how you perceive your child's ability has a direct impact on whether or not your child impacts it perceives their ability to change their own emotions, then you're going to fall flat more often than not in teaching your child effective coping skills. So what sparked this conversation with this, um, with this friend of mine is that she had said, um, we were speaking, the strategy that she was going to use was to avoid yelling at her kid. And what, you know, we talked about how she would feel when that was going on. She said, it's going to feel a lot like putting Oscar back, Oscar the Grouch back in the trash can. And I speak to this a lot with my clients. One of the things that we talk about is that your goal is not to put the lid on your boiling pot. Your goal is to figure out how to let the steam out so that the pot doesn't boil in the first place. Now, guys, we're all human, and so it doesn't mean that you're not going to get angry, but what it means is that your pot doesn't boil over. That's yelling. That's frustration to the point of explosion. That's um, simmering at a, at a simmer all day long and then you know, no predictability as to whether or not you're going to lose it with your kid or lose it with your spouse because you've been trying so hard not to lose it with your kid. The that whole experience of keeping the lid on a boiling pot, or as my friend said, you know, stuffing Oscar back into his his crash trash can, it continuously perpetuates the experience for yourself that you are a jack in the box. That Oscar the Grouch is eventually going to pop out, and when you have that perception of yourself that you will eventually be Oscar and you will eventually explode on your kid or explode on yourself, then. You are are missing the mark in understanding what's going to help your child develop the skills long term. Because if that's your strategy and nobody's helping you change that, then nothing else you you apply will perpetually change the dynamic in your household. And this is why we focus on this the first and then throughout my work with my clients and why we see such fast results. Because when we think about what it takes to eliminate daily meltdowns in as little as eight weeks, you have to start with yourself. You have to start with how you see your child, where you see your child's capacities, and what your own perception of your child is doing to get in the way of that. And if your perception of your child is, well, I can't can't keep it together because I don't believe I can keep it together unless they keep it together, then you're just perpetuating the whole whole problem. And that has to be broken down first. So the consistency principle is that if you see your child as incapable of managing their own emotions, but you're going to keep trying these strategies because you want better for them, we all do, right, as parents, if you don't change that intention of why you want this to be done and, and why, why you're certain that it will happen for you, then your brain and your subconscious brain will start to find evidence as to why your initial assumption is true. My kid can't keep it together, but we're going to try this strategy because I know, you know, other parents have done it. I'm a good parent. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll muscle through. My kid's capable. But if you don't break that, break down that initial intention, then your subconscious mind is going to find where there's evidence that your child is not able to keep it together. And that is what spirals you back into that boiling pot or that Oscar the Grouch, you know, as I spoke about a minute ago, or that Jack in the Box. It winds you back up until that strategy no longer works. 
And when that strategy no longer works, you blame your kid. And I'm not saying that you say, oh, you know, my kid stopped doing it. He's bad. But what you see in that moment is that you blame either the strategy or your child's ability to use the strategy rather than focus on yourself and identify where your assumptions about your kid got in the way. So I really want you guys to get a clear picture of why this consistency principle is so important to understand and why none of the strategies that you're following are working if you don't figure this out. Because if you're not consistently looking at how your child is capable, how your child is thoroughly focused on not living a miserable life anymore, then you won't be able to change your perception that your child is winning, that you guys are winning, that you're limit, you're on your way to eliminating those daily meltdowns. So your brain will keep going back to what it knows and what it wants and what it feels comfortable with because we are human and change is uncomfortable. And so we want things to stay consistent. And that's that consistency principle. We want things to stay unchanged because in those moments we feel safe. And when we feel safe, then nothing new is going to come up. And we all know it. Logically, that's bullshit because life is change, but emotionally and logically and subconsciously, our brains are designed to keep things the same. So if you don't know how to actively retrain your brain and you're, the person you're working with or the, the, you know, the therapist that you're sending your kid to or the advice that you're focused on following is not helping you retrain your brain, then you will continuously find yourself in the vortex of consistent daily meltdowns. It might be, look different when your kid's four than when your kid's seven, but what you'll notice is that the same patterns will repeat. You'll slide back down the hill, and that's because you haven't developed the scale of retraining your brain. So when we think about what's, what's possible when you do that, What's possible is that when you know how to retrain your brain and you know how to focus on a challenge outside of yourself as something that is meant for you to learn and is actually coming from you, you've created this, then you look at it as an opportunity to grow. And when you do that, nothing your kid get, does can, be, can set you up for failure. And this is what we help parents do. Because when you don't have that skill, then the fact that your kid didn't nap at three and beyond, the fact that your kid is struggling in school, the fact that your kid tossed a chair in the house towards, your, towards his baby sister is going to scare the crap out of you and make you focus on how to get your kid to stop throwing chairs rather than how to get you from stop panicking in those moments. And when you don't focus on that, then your brain will consistently stay focused on trying to change your outside experiences, which is what's happening in your household, and you won't look at the inner cause for that. Children, especially highly sensitive children, read the room. They read the tension, and they understand whether or not you believe that they're capable. So if you don't change that at a core level as a parent, then you will not be able to lead your child to believe it for themselves. And so we've talked about this over and over again, and, and I really want to get this very clear, that if your child does not believe that you 100% see where they are able to be, then they will continue to stay miserable. And now I don't want to 
I don't want you to fall into the trap of saying, well, my kid's happy, so they're not miserable. What I want you to understand is that if your child is experiencing daily meltdowns, nobody wants that. Put yourself in your child's shoes. If you perhaps are a highly sensitive parent and you had that growing up, you know you were miserable. And some part of you, if you didn't resolve that at a core level, still feels miserable when you're experiencing negative emotion. But what you've learned to, to, to do in terms of being able to be capable, successful adults, holding down a job, having children, and, and focusing on raising them healthily, is that you've been able to figure out how to work around that, how to either dissipate it, but not eliminate it, or how to work on top of it. And what that means is that you've been able to tell yourself that everything's going to work out okay and keep powering through. But what you know to be true is that if you're not teaching your child how to decrease and and desensitize themselves to shame so that shame no longer drives their behavior, then you won't be able to help your child feel capable in changing their their own emotions. Because your child's not, as we all know, you and your child are not going to be able to change any experiences. Things are going to happen in life. It's how you change how you see the problem and how you solve the problem that that impacts whether or not the problem becomes a perpetual pattern in your child's life and in your life. So if your child spirals into, you know, my my friend is teasing me, all friends are going to tease me, then I can't have friends. And you don't teach your child how to decrease and dissipate that initial event because you yourself are worried about your child's social skills and capacity to change their social development on their own with your guidance, then your child is going to continuously have social problems and they will pop up throughout their lives in various avenues, but at the same level of depth. And so what you're not observing is that your brain is showing you that your child can't be capable just in different ways. And so if you don't know how to fix that problem, then that's where you have to start. And if you're working through a, you know, reading a book or, you know, even Elaine Aaron's book doesn't address this and, you know, supposed to be the Bible of parenting a highly sensitive kid. If you're working through a, you know, a dynamic or, or finding, you know, other positive parenting strategies, they don't focus on this problem. And this is the key reason why you're continuously feeling stuck. So, If this is something that you really want to address and you want to address at the core level so that you no longer feel incapable of managing your child's emotional experience and helping them grow to manage their own, then I would encourage you to book a call. Go ahead to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash talk. We'll talk about what's really getting in the way, the true problem that's impacting your ability to implement these strategies again and again and again and again so that they no longer lead to you feeling disempowered. They no longer lead to you feeling like it's a crapshoot or that you're throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. Honestly, guys, when I look at other parenting, you know, your highly sensitive kid groups, the responses to parents who are seeking help are the same. And you know what they say? It's hard. It's going to get better. With what, guys? Like, there's no strategy. <laughs> there's no support. And, and so what is that? That is, that is hopelessness for you guys. How does it get better? Does it get better because you change your perspective on what's good? Does it get better because your standards lower? Does it get better because you change what you think is cap- your child is capable of? Nobody's answering those questions. So you really need to get very clear on what you want for your child and where you want to go 
And if there's if, if the people that you're working with or the advice that you're following doesn't identify how you can change and retrain your own brain, then any strategy you're using is just not going to be effective. And so I would really encourage you guys to figure out where you're getting your advice, focusing on how you're addressing this problem for yourself. And then if that's something that you want direct support with, go ahead and, and get on the phone and we'll address where you're stuck, why you're truly stuck, and what it's going to take to get you out of this mess in a faster way so that you can actually believe with your whole heart and whole being that your child is not miserable rather than deny, no, 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 I don't believe that because I see happiness. There's a big difference between believing that your child is not miserable because you don't see evidence of it than discounting the evidence because you see evidence of otherwise and because it's uncomfortable for you to even think about. So I'm, I'm calling it out like that, being you know quick and, and, and fast with my you know uh, newly showered hair on Sunday morning because I, I just had to get this out. It, it was it was coming to me with um, you know with such a force after speaking to that friend of mine that um, is just so disheartening when we think about people who are getting help, but it's not the effective help that's going to actually change the dynamic in the household. So I hope that this is supportive in, in moving you into understanding the core of the problem and where you need to go and changing your d direction in parenting your child and that this sets you forth on the path of really truly solving this problem for your family so that you guys can understand what it takes as well as know clearly that eliminating daily meltdowns starts with you. It starts with being very clear that what you want for your family is happiness, safety, security in yourself as a person and as a parent so that you can lead your child to believe that for themselves. And that's what gets your child to stop the meltdowns. Okay, thank you and have a great day. Bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you're ready to join a community of parents focused on eliminating the daily meltdown cycle and want more support, be sure to join our free Facebook group, Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja, where we provide free video trainings to parents just like you. You can find that in the search bar of Facebook or you can go to facebook.com backslash groups backslash parenting highly sensitive child. Thank you and have a wonderful day.